0: Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and I have the great pleasure to welcome again, Revit Levy, as my guest today. Ravit still is the CEO and founder of RLV Consulting, and you might have heard him in episode two of this podcast, guiding us through the steps of innovation in water and wastewater treatment, from ID to commercial success. In today's episode, Ravid dives into the opportunities, trends, and risks of pre-assembled and often containerized treatment solutions, highlighting the sweet spots, but also the pitfalls. He discusses commissioning of such plants and eventually takes us to Antarctica but let's avoid spoiling too much.
1: You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs, and keep up with the latest market trends. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. As a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal, GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. For more information, visit gfps.com.
0: Hi, Revit. Welcome back to the podcast. Last time, you walked us through the the steps of a successful innovation from the original gap that generates an ID, and then finally that leads to the the go-to market through maybe IP protection or prototyping but towards the end of the interview last time, you addressed a key point, and that is going to be our main topic today, standardization. That sounds somehow like the dream, especially in industrial water and wastewater treatment, a handful of standard Lego bricks, if I may say so, that could be assembled on every site in order to build a plug and play solution. That sounds nice, and we're gonna see in the next minutes if that's real or if we might have to do a a reality check on that. But maybe just before digging into that that dream between brackets, let's start with this reality check. Do you see plug and play solutions as a trend on the water and wastewater market?
2: So first of all, if still to connect to the previous uh, topic, uh, some actually may say that uh, putting uh, things in boxes or in building blocks is the opposite of innovation. So you actually need to standardize, and 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 then there's not too much room to uh, to go wild. It's it's a packaging exercise. So yes, it is in a way a packaging exercise. Actually, the 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 limited uh, size and the need to uh, make things more efficiently in many in many different aspects require a lot of innovation, both in design, engineering, but also in technology to make things smaller, more. Uh, standard, if you like, or, or easier to install and operate. That takes a lot of, of innovation. Uh, maybe not always new inventions, but a lot of, of thinking differently about things that we used to do forever in, in this industry. Yeah, I think that uh, standardization in general and containerized solutions, and particularly, uh, is a trend uh, in the industry. I think it's it's more a trend than a fashion, so there is actually a market and, 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 and activity in that range. However, uh, it's not a magic bullet. Uh, it will, it does not, and it will never give a one-size-fits-all or, or a standard answer to all water and wastewater challenges. There are areas and cases where it is almost ideal or, or the perfect solution to a problem. In other cases, uh, it can actually uh, bring more limitations and, and more disadvantages and advantages. And maybe maybe later we will discuss some examples of, of where are those uh, sweet spots and where are the pitfalls for that approach.
0: Before digging into that, maybe you can explain us uh, in your view. What is setting the trend? Why are we trying to get it standard to put it in containers? Why?
2: So few uh, vectors. Maybe in, in the market, uh, I think, uh, sets this trend. Maybe the most important one, which is kind of a buzzword that uh, is used a lot lately in the water industry, is uh, decentralized solutions. So moving or realizing that the large-scale centralized plants that always were and probably always will be the majority of the the capacity of treatment, especially in uh in big uh, urban centers or or highly populated areas, they are not the best economic, environmental or operational solution for um, where population is spread around a large area in smaller settlements or smaller towns or villages or whatever those uh, non-urban centers are. And in those cases, and actually some people even take it further to say that even in urban centers, it is more efficient to, uh, to treat wastewater and even and water even uh, on a local basis. Uh, microgrids, renewable energy issues are involved here, uh, sometimes uh, under the microgrid approach of supplying energy and water locally rather than transferring them over large distances. This trend of decentralization of water and wastewater facilities naturally pushes towards smaller units, more localized and therefore lends itself to more compact and and more standardized building blocks, uh, if not full system. So this is the main trend I think at the moment, especially on the municipal side of of the business. On the non-municipal side of the business, that may be industrial water, uh, remote operations, uh, whatever that may be, uh, this is more mobility and site and minimization of site works the the industry the companies and the clients realize that having people on site is expensive difficult risky sometimes in some places so minimizing that interface at site is another trend that leads towards pre-assembly of units and once you uh, pre-assemble off-site, there's a necessity to to package it somehow for transportation or just for easy installation on site as a more complete unit rather than components. So rather than bringing endless boxes of valves and pipes and uh, and instruments and cables and everything to site, a lot is being pre-assembled uh, into uh, complete or partially built units off-site, and then that uh, leads to more uh, skid uh, installation or containerized design that allows also the shipping and the enclosure building, if you like,
0: to be replaced offsite. So decentralized treatment, which is most mostly the trend for municipal projects. And then on the industrial side, more this the, this aspect of uh, avoiding to have to work on site and do prefabrication. In that second case, would you say that the, the trend might have been learned by the industry the, the hard way because they had difficulties with the on-site. So maybe you can elaborate a bit on that. I would be interested.
2: Yes, uh, one of the pain points of the industry is site uh, installation work and you know subcontractors working at remote locations. All those things. I think every company in the business have their uh, <laughs> their stories for those past projects that, you know, went bad or just went were difficult or more expensive than expected because of that, you know, things went wrong or just actually as, as expected, but not as hoped. Or the best case scenario was, was not uh, realized, which by the way is the, the usual case. That's why it's called best case scenario. But in some cases, all those complications are, are not uh, fully factored and, and they, they, you know, create a problem. Now, when the project is massive, on one hand, there's no much alternative. You have to do civil works and, 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 mass and, and large installations on site. And then, it's, this is the majority of the projects, actually. But when it's a small-scale project, you know, also in terms of, uh, of money involved, then the risks and the costs that are involved with things getting complicated on site are too high and, and the margins in this industry are unfortunately sometimes not huge, especially for the integrators who's ex- eventually taking responsibility, the EPCs that uh, takes responsibility for the delivery of the project, including the site work. Uh, so uh, minimizing that and maximizing uh, off-site pre-installation is obviously very good for the bottom line and for reducing risks.
0: It's minimizing the exposure and managing the, the liability somehow.
2: The liability, the risk and the direct cost. Uh, labor back home is usually uh, less expensive than people working at remote sites or just uh, overseas or wherever that may be. And uh, if you add to that risk issues like safety and other uh, considerations like in uh, mining sites, oil and gas operations, power plants, industrial locations, uh, where just having People on site going back and forth for a long time is a problem, both for client and for the one responsible for uh, for delivering the project. Altogether, altogether, that rings. It's like you know, bring the work back home as much as possible.
0: Would that somehow define a, a kind of sweet spot? Uh, you mentioned that uh, large projects are not that easy to to prefabricate, but smaller ones sound like like a sweet spot. And then, as you said, if it's just the next door, then maybe you don't need. But if it's still the end of the world then it might be written by itself that you have to pre-build something. What do you think there?
2: So first of all, I think it's worth differentiating between two types of of, uh, off-site or or prefabricated plants. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people confuse them. Every time we talk about prefabrication, the next word is standardization. But this is not necessarily the case. This is actually a later trend because uh, package systems, containerized systems, skid-mounted systems were there for many years. I've worked for companies who specialized in that 20 years ago. Uh, But every plant was still very different. So they were tailored, but packaged off-site. This is very common for industrial power, mining, other cases where, despite the the motivation to to standardize uh, the the process, the the unique water or the client specs dictate a different uh, system. Every time. However, there is still huge uh, advantage in prefabricating and packaging the plant and minimizing site works and everything we discussed. The advantages of reduced uh, site works and costs and risks and all that still exist even if the plant is not standardized. Uh, if you add to that the ability sometimes to have standard building blocks, that takes it to, to the next level. Of also uh, reducing the cost of of equipment and the design risks and the need to to do all the uh, all the hazops and, and some of, of those uh, design reviews and, and engineering resources every time for a different system. So so this is a first uh, um, separation internally inside this package plant market. Both have markets. Both have sweet spots. So I think that in general. The more the smaller, the more remote, and uh, or the more decentralized the the application is. Obviously, this is a, a sweeter spot for any of those. Some industries they've been uh, working with this kind of approach for for a long time, especially the mining industry, which naturally works very remotely in some cases. Uh, the power industry uh, with containerized or packaged uh, systems for uh, expanding or for uh, just uh, installing quickly uh, water treatment capacity with minimal site works and footprint. Footprint is a very important uh, issue here because some of those plants naturally tend to be very compact. So when real estate in general is very, or footprint is is expensive or very limited, obviously a very important sweet spot. Uh, that may be anywhere from uh, offshore uh, oil and gas rigs to, uh, to power plants or to factories, especially in cases of upgrades or capacity increase or, or retrofits or all those things that have to somehow fit on existing sites. That's on the industrial side. Another very, very important market in some places, some countries, for uh, these solutions is the rental market or temporary solutions. Because that obviously allows a complete unit to be delivered to site, operate as much as needed, and then taken off-site with minimal disruptions or or works, both on the installation and also the decommissioning parts of the project. And that's a big advantage. And the mobility, naturally, is, is a very important thing. Companies that export plants, they even take it further because the the marine freight uh, naturally works around packages like containers and and those kind of of boxes. And if uh, if you can design your solution inside one of those boxes, then it can be taken on the ship, off the ship. And to site uh, very easily and with minimal
0: cost. You've been addressing the cost now. We've listed the the advantages of of, of the package, uh, the containerized uh, solution, and the first seem to be technical. But uh, if we come to cost, let's be really to the bottom of it uh, do you expect savings
2: in fact there are many or some technical disadvantages which we we
0: may talk about a little bit later i mean Let, let's keep the, the pink glasses for now Let, let's be optimistic so. yes uh
2: no i'm not it's not uh, it's not a problem as long as, as you're aware of it and and, and handle it uh, properly during the design of, of the system but it's not a magic solution that, uh, you know, uh, has only uh, positive aspects. But on the cost side, also on the cost side, there are some uh, risks or some possible issues just because of the need to work with very compact equipment. So you are less free to choose from from the market com- components if they take too much space, for example. They may be better technically or even cheaper but you would prefer a more compact uh, component because space real estate in those especially containerized cases is is the the prime resource. There are so many uh, things that can be done with every you know square foot of a container floor floor space or or even a wall or or volume that you need to choose very wisely and this may sometimes come on the spec on on the expense of of some some cost so. This is to begin with. However, there are serious potential cost savings, especially as I said before, uh, shifting more of the work to uh, to offsite or to the factory rather than to site. And uh, and also, if shipping is involved, there's serious uh, shipping costs that can be saved if the uh, the packaging is suitable for sea or ground freight, for that matter. Uh, in in some other cases, so there uh, there are there are cost saving that can be realized here, and there's also a lot of risk, and risk uh, should should be uh, a cost item in every
0: project. I think that's something that you've been teasing now, so I'm going to quote you because I, I love that. We always talk about plug and play, and you said uh, beware because that might be also plug and pray, which is just kind of summarizing the, the risk that might be implied when going to those kind of solutions. So I would be really interesting to to know what you see behind that. So what's the risk? What are the pitfalls behind the containerized or standardized or prefabricated solutions?
2: So there are some pitfalls generally in containerized approach or, or in the uh, assumption that if I do a lot sites, then on-site will be a piece of cake and there's no uh, nothing to do there. The fact that more uh, of the work is shifted to the factory does not mean that there are no operational risks and uh, and startup issues and, and other things. Uh, obviously, they can be reduced in some aspects, especially the technical, the mechanical aspect, the, uh, the factory tests. Can be much more complete, and you you can make sure in advance that there are uh, lower no leaks or, or control or electrical or other issues. But the process at the end needs to work on site, and this can only happen when the actual water or wastewater are flowing through the system. So uh, assuming that the fact that this is prefabricated, and then all right, let's send someone over, doesn't matter who it's it we've tested the plan. What can go wrong? is a little bit is taking this a little bit too far we always need to remember that at the end it's not really a plug and play this is plug commission operate deliver to client, <laughs> and the plug side becomes very easy when it's prefabricated but the other aspects are at least as complicated or as risky as they would have been in any other plan so it's not really plug and pray but plug and, and, and don't tell yourself the story that everything you know will just tick from this point uh, as if it's a you know a tv set or a, uh, i don't know a food processor this is not the case do you think that
0: people underestimate that aspect
2: yes a lot because i th- i think that in many organizations or many uh, cases once the decision is taken to standardize the system, it is being regarded from that point as an engineering exercise and the engineers take over. I think it, 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 it refers a little bit to our previous uh, discussion last time. The, uh, there's always this kind of uh, tension between the, the mechanical or the engineering part of things and the process and, and, and then also the commercial uh, side of, of business. And once this uh, the standardization project begins, it is regarded uh, and there's a lot of design, mechanical, electrical, and, and other uh, design issues that can be integrated and, and then can be tested off site. But then the uh, the process, whatever is is left to be done on site is almost taken sometimes too lightly, as if it's trivial if we tested the plant at the factory. There are lower risks on all the mechanical, electrical control aspects, but uh, the process must still be taken seriously, because at the end, this is what we deliver. We deliver a machine, in most cases, that should treat water to the specs or to the requirements it was designed for. Uh, The fact that it works mechanically and electrically is a is a prerequisite, but it's
0: not enough. Did you experience that yourself? Did you have bad experience with uh, the commissioning of plug and play solutions? Something you can talk about, of course.
2: <laughs> there, are, there are several uh, cases, both good or better and, and, and less uh, brilliant, where, for example, uh, a power plant uh, in South America that we've supplied a, a water, ultra water system for uh, once. And, uh, and everything was uh, pre-assembled in containers or skids, or it was combined uh, design uh, and delivered to site, and everything was ready there. There was minimal civil works and everything. The installation went very, went very, very uh, well and quickly, uh, but then the water quality at the feed was different in some ways than what was uh, expected uh, according to the information we had. And the commissioning phase on site at a very remote place in, in South America took much longer than we expected. Obviously, or maybe uh, uh, unfortunately, the the budget for the project assumed that the commissioning would go as quickly as installation because it's prefabricated and factory tested. Uh, and once the, the commission the commissioning people and the process engineers had to to extend the stay and, and do more runs and, and more uh, lab tests and and, and and other adjustments, the financial people started to uh, to get stressed about that because it was not expected. I think every, uh, everyone who supplied uh, uh, those kind of systems have those uh, examples still, if if that project would have been done as a non prefabricated or a non-containerized with a lot of civil uh, uh, infrastructure and on-site installation, it would still be much more expensive and complicated than how it ended. But at that point, it's not anymore the comparison. You already have this and you already designed it, budgeted, and scheduled it as if it's packaged. Although most of most of those examples does not uh, reduce the advantage of, of that solution against the conventional or the alternative, but the risks must be acknowledged even within that,
0: that approach. If we try to, to compare, I don't know if the comparison makes sense, but I'm wondering now, in terms of agility between a traditional construction uh, with civil works and everything and, and the, the package solution, you know that there is this saying that water decides at the end of the day. So one would imagine that if you do everything non-standard and customized, and then you have exactly what you said, a different quality of water than the one you expected, with the superior agility of of the civil works uh, specialized solution that you build on site, you would be able to handle that. Whereas with a prefabricated solution you might be limited by by the design of what you have does that make sense or can you reach the same agility with both types of systems
2: in theory there should be shouldn't be a difference because if you design a flexible system in advance it would be as flexible with or without uh, a container uh, however, the the limitations, the engineering and other limitations that a package like a container sets uh, lends itself to to a more aggressive or a more um, uh, maybe uh, you know a less conservative uh, design. And sometimes there are just uh, physical or, or or objective limitations that make it impossible to to include too much uh, flexibility. Also, of course, this is in general in terms of of packaging things into limited boxes. In any type, there are some design, um, design limitations and, and compromises that you have to do. Maybe the most important one in any compact or containerized plant is the space and the, the ability or the ease of maintenance and operation later. You know, so the, the, those containers are sometimes the engineers, the design engineer uh, dream and the uh, O&M technician nightmare. Because uh, naturally, all those the need to pack everything as compact as possible uh, reduces the the access and the ease of of extracting uh, equipment and replacing equipment and and, and fixing uh, leaks or or anything. Uh, there are always compromises on that end, and this is very important to remember. To leave at least minimal, or to remember that those plants need also to operate somewhere. An operation requires some human intervention. So in design uh, process, it's not always, there must not all, only be, you know, how much capacity can we squeeze in there and how will that cost to deliver. It's also how later the client or anyone will be able to uh, to operate that and, and maintain that practically. And also if you're a commercial company without, uh, you know, uh, spitting on the ground every time uh, it, it gets near your system. And uh, just because uh, you never thought of, of their in, their side of the it when you design. This is one aspect always to remember. I, I've sat in quite a few design reviews for, for containerized systems. And these are some of the most interesting ones because there are so many uh, limitations that, uh, you know, how can you decide between, uh, you know, the placing the equipment, maintaining it later, uh, the cost, uh, the the access, the the piping routes, which sometimes, you know, uh, they sometimes defy or at least work borderline on on what is being taught on, uh, you know, hydraulic engineering uh, regarding uh, uh, velocities and and uh, and diameters and uh, I don't know. Uh, how many diameters before uh, an analyzer or a flow meter and other things? There are serious limitations when you pack things into compact
0: uh, pack. So you might have to compromise.
2: So you always have to compromise. It's just a matter of of, of how uh, far you 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 want or you need to take it. So so also there's the the upper limit of capacities. You know there's some kind of almost a race in the market of how much can you squeeze into a container, how much wastewater treatment or how much desalination capacity and I think it gets to a point where the compromises are starting to be too high uh, either on engineering or 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 commercially in terms of promising to client things that are are actually very very hard to
0: achieve there, there might be a roof to the capacity you, you can reach with containerized solutions in a pleasant way to operate and in a pleasant way to uh to just to run smoothly.
2: First of all, without compromising uh, good design, process, and engineering, and then uh, if you add to that uh, a reasonable uh, operational room and, and access, then yes, uh, practically there is an upper limit for every technology. Of course, you can uh, uh, you know argue if this is I don't know uh, if it's desalination. Would that be one thousand cubic meters per day, or maybe twelve hundred, or just eight hundred? uh but you know we've we've been designing uh at the time and even supplying uh a one a single container for seawater desalination including pretreatment, control everything for uh 1500 cubic meters a day in one container and that was to me an, an amazing quite amazing uh, uh achievement with somehow a very reasonable operational maintenance uh, room inside, but to be honest, there were I think too many design uh, compromises there in terms of of velocities, uh, diameters, and 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 some you know squeezing uh, recovery out of uh, uh, membranes and, and other things. The, the ability to actually meet that very uh, ambitious capacity was actually limited to a, a pretty narrow situations. The system was actually not very flexible. That was the main, one of the main compromises for squeezing more equipment and and, and pushing it to the to the upper limit of pumps and, and membranes and other things.
0: There might be a maximum of what you can reach with uh, with containerized solutions. But if we look at it the other way around, you've mentioned decentralized as a trend which is pushing towards containerized solutions. But Could we see it also the other way around, saying that the ability to put everything in containers is also pushing for decentralized? Because if you look at industrial sites, there might be several streams. And today you are taking all these streams and bringing them together on a treatment plant because that's the most convenient way to do it if you have to fabricate everything at one single place. But if now we think that everything might be put in skids or in containers, that could be an opportunity to put a treatment step next to each stream and have, in fact, not one water system, but five, six, seven water systems very specialized for a single batch process. Do you see that as a possible trend? Or would you say, no, that's just uh, too theoretical?
2: Yeah, in in industrial cases where there are different streams that uh, require different uh, treatments, like treatment at the source, rather than... Mixed uh, stream, that can be uh, a good solution in some cases, especially again if space is limited and if they are uh, separated physically from one another. Uh, in the in the municipal decentralized uh, market, which is where the main decentralized trend is, it, it it means that smaller communities can get their own high-end treatment without a major project. Uh, with civil works and and other things every place, and overall lower costs. So deploying many localized, uh, small scale and prefabricated plants. In fact, for that market, especially the domestic wastewater market, uh, it makes a lot of sense because the feed water, wastewater, I mean, is similar in different places or different uh, communities. The capacity might be different, but the, the composition unless there is industrial or, or major agricultural like uh, animal farms and other things that combine into the sewer, uh, then you know uh, our uh, sewer systems are, are pretty similar in composition in different places. So uh, it, it, it can be easier to standardize the, the process building block and then uh, multiply it to a certain extent as a modular uh, system according to the capacity. Uh, However, modularity is, we haven't mentioned this magic word yet, but this is another buzzword in this industry, right? Next to standardization and prefabrication. Modularity is a very important aspect of this approach. However, it, it also has risks that must be avoided, or at least be acknowledged. The main important one is economy of scale, which almost by definition, does not exist with standard building blocks because the cost and the complexity of the system is almost linear. If you have one container or three identical containers, the overall cost per unit volume remains almost constant. Above a certain capacity, overall, it does not make sense economically to keep expanding on a modular building blocks. It makes much more sense to build one larger system that can realize the economy of scale. Uh, For example, in wastewater, building one uh, concrete basin for uh, biological treatment rather than multiple containerized uh, tanks. Because each one of them will obviously cost uh, less, but all put together, it makes it easier to uh, uh, and cheaper and more compact even because of the distances between the blocks to, to build one, one central volume. The project capacity is a different thing than the unit capacity. And this is, again, why the smaller the, the case and the more remote it is, the more logical and economical it gets to,
0: to use those prefabricated, modular, possibly containerized solutions. To round up this part, I would like to appeal to your experience. Would you have an example from the projects you've been working on of where you could find a significant edge in containerized uh, or prefabricated solutions over the conventional ones?
2: Yeah, possibly the, the most extreme or, or you know uh, unusual case uh, was a desalination plant that we built at the time uh, for Cyprus. Uh, and that was the the largest containerized or, or uh, modular plant that I know of, which was 22,000 cubic meters per day of seawater desalination, including everything: UF pretreatment, uh, energy recovery, RO, uh, etc. That required, uh, from memory, something like 30 30 containers to to accomplish all together, including control, electric. Everything was containerized there. In a way, this is an extreme uh, case where, in most cases, it would have been much cheaper and even easier to build uh, the same capacity in one uh, conventional desalination plant. The reason why that specific one was containerized uh, and that there was an advantage to do it this way were two reasons. One, it was very urgent, the process, all the uh, uh, design, construction, and, and uh, authorizations that, require, that were required to build a, a, pre- a conventional permanent plant over there would have just been taken too long. And, and this one was built, delivered, and commissioned within about six to eight months, which is for this capacity uh, amazing in, in our industry. The other reason why containerized was perfect for that situation was that it was temporary. It was from the beginning a temporary emergency water relief solution that was from the beginning designed to be disassembled and re- be removed after two or three years of operation. And in fact, that was the case after I think three years eventually of uh, providing uh, water, drinking water over there, is being disassembled and actually been taking a- taken apart and being rebuilt and now as far as I understand, is offered uh, as three different units of 7,000. So it, it's been operated as one system of 22 or 21 and now been uh, uh, re, uh, reconfigured and re-engineered to be, again, an emergency or a temporary uh, containerized plant, but for lower capacity. And, and this is exactly where containerized uh, can do things that other designs
0: probably cannot yeah that sounds like a win-win-win you can go much faster then you can also deassemble again the day you don't need it anymore and the things which are deassembled can be just reused because the container still fits on the ship still fits on the truck so you can put it somewhere else and again use that capacity so that's i guess an interesting example and I might suspect that might be a spoiler for the rapid-fire questions, especially the one on, on projects. So, Revit, if it's okay for you, I would propose you to move to this uh, last section of the rapid-fire questions.
1: It's time for the rapid-fire questions.
0: As you already uh, were my, my guest on that podcast, uh, you've answered the standard question uh, a first time. So I'm going to give you a second round on the same questions. And then also I prepared you a new set of questions to surprise you. So let's start with um, the good old ones. And let's see if your answer might differ from from the first episode. So what is the most exciting project you've been working on?
2: By far, I think that was uh, supplying uh, a packaged uh, skid-mounted, eventually containerized, system uh, for desalination of water for the Australian Research Center in Antarctica. Uh, uh, That was a very challenging uh, case, of course, because of the location, because of uh, how remote it is, the the need to actually test and do everything in advance. And to make things even more interesting, uh, unfortunately, on the way to Antarctica, uh, there was a huge storm and 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 the system, after being fully commissioned off-site, was damaged and had to be returned and in fact be rebuilt and recommissioned and sent again next uh, season. So that was a pretty amazing project that eventually worked, I think until this day, uh, the, they get uh, good drinking water out of that system in
0: Antarctica. Well, I think you just you just beat all the other stories I've heard. I mean, don't <laughs> know, know, it's a good one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so... What's your favorite part of your current job?
2: Uh, I, I, in this case, I would just have to repeat what I said before. Okay. It's, the, it's the flexibility and, and, the, and the variety of technologies, clients uh, and projects that I, I, I have the privilege to work with. What is the trend to watch
0: on in the water industry?
2: Specifically, uh, I would, there are many trends, uh, but just not to give the same answer and also to, to relate more to our topic today, I think this is the uh, the uh, universal ultrafiltration systems and racks that allows the client to not to be married with one uh, type or one supplier of UF membrane along the life of the system, but to to select later between
0: different options. What is the thing you care the most when designing a new project or a new system, and what's the thing you care the less?
2: So again, in projects, there are many things, but specifically on package or containerized systems, I care a lot or I I, uh, highlight uh, a lot the uh, operation and maintenance uh, availability and and, uh, uh, space or in general operability of the system. Uh, And also, which goes together very well, uh, safety aspects of of operating or, you know, uh, working with that uh, package systems. Just so those... Design compromises will not risk anyone. And what would you care the less if there's something? Yeah, I would have to say equipment uh, brands, uh, uh, because uh, some people really like to have uh, you know fancy brands on on some equipment. But uh, there are uh, there's a variety of, of of equipment there, and the selection of specific equipment must really go based on how critical it is and and how. Uh, what is the track record of that specific, uh, uh, you know, brand or make, and not necessarily, you know, the, the the biggest names out there, which may add to the cost. Actually, also add value.
0: Okay, now don't be afraid. You're still under the fire of my questions, but here you have the the, the fresh ones, uh, which no one ever had before you. So, <laughs> what is your favorite part of a project?
2: My favorite part. Uh, yeah, I actually love the design reviews. Uh, where uh, people from different uh, sides of the project uh, sit together with, or maybe the, towards the final design reviews, where the project is already has a shape and a uh, design aspects have already been included, and now people from different parts of the project or the company uh, sit together and, and debate uh, the, the compromises or actually have to decide, you know, where to. Uh, uh, to uh, to pull and push it to to, to finalize the uh, the design, and you know when the uh, engineering, uh, pro- project management, financial process uh, control, uh, other people are are kind of uh, putting their minds together to um, to sharpen the pencil.
0: What is something you are doing today in your job that you will not be doing in ten years?
2: Hopefully, work. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm joking i i don't actually uh uh really uh want to uh retire uh too soon because I, I i kind of enjoy it. i can say you know in every work there are um uh very i mean uh, less pleasant parts maybe after this period of time i really think that it's time that we would uh we will reconsider uh traveling uh so much for meetings and and you know always put the uh the option of saving time and pollution and and money on on travel and just uh, sometimes, not always, sometimes communicate uh, remotely.
0: Now I have one which is interesting because uh, that reflects something you've mentioned earlier, the difference between trend and fame. So what is the trend or fame in our industry that you would like to see ending and disappearing forever?
2: as As someone who's doing desalination for many years, it's so not the trend. It's until now the best practice, but I would really, really wish that uh, uh, the, the throwing away the brine back to the ocean as is will will be replaced by something more sustainable and economical. Uh, but of course, this is a huge challenge, and uh, and we now desalinate so much water that it's it's a massive uh, thing to uh, to even imagine uh, a different solution to all that brine. But, uh, well, if we're already, uh, you know, dreaming, why not dream big?
0: <laughs> and last, um, can you name one thing that you've learned the hard way?
2: I think maybe that there are no uh, easy, uh, easy ways to learn. I mean, uh, if, if you if you learn something any other way, you probably haven't learned it properly. The harder it is, the, the more uh, efficient the learning is. Uh, another thing, probably, and I, I i say that to my kids a lot that uh uh it takes some time to understand that the the most efficient learning is from the experience of others rather than from your own experience uh it's, so if someone already uh learned something the hard way and you can uh, now uh, uh you know skip some of the of that and, and and learn this from his experience then uh it is a bit easier uh, but still, uh, you can, if you don't experience things and, and you don't fail sometimes, then, uh, well, you haven't tried, I
0: guess. Or not hard enough. not hard enough, <laughs> correct. Well, rabbit, you've been an amazing guest, so thanks a lot for that. Uh, if people would like to learn from your experience, where can they find you?
2: I'm available by email, and then finding me online is best on LinkedIn, I guess.
0: Dear listeners, you know where to go to, to learn? maybe the hard way, <laughs> uh, but to learn about the experience of, of, of rabbit. And I think there's, there's a lot there that, that might be helpful to, to water professionals. So thanks a lot uh, for being my guest now, now twice. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that translates in all the languages, but in French we say never two without three. Mm-hmm. So I guess <laughs> somewhere down the line, we might have a new topic to discuss together.
2: Well um, uh, thank you for uh, for inviting me and uh yeah I'll be hon- honored to maybe do it the third time. Yeah, I, I think we have a version of that uh two and three thing also in Hebrew.
0: So thanks a lot and uh, see you soon. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time!